stand with me if you would. Love lifted me 390. Let's sing it together tonight. 390 as we get started. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, from the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. All my heart to Him I give, ever to Him I cling. In His blessed presence live, ever His praises sing. Love so mighty and so true merits my soul's best song. Faithful, loving service to, to Him belongs. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could have love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could have love lifted me. On that last soul's in danger, look above, Jesus completely saved. He will lift you by His love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea, billows his will obey. Here wants to be, be saved today. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could have, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could have love lifted me. And let's turn over to 470. I hope that's your testimony tonight that love did lift you. And of course, God is love. Amen. 470, living for Jesus. Look at the words of this beautiful hymn as we sing it tonight to the Lord. Living for Jesus, a life that is true, striving to please Him in all that I do, yielding allegiance, glad-hearted and free, this is a pathway of blessing for me. O Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to Thee. For Thou in Thy atonement didst give Thyself for me. I own no other master my heart shall be thy throne, my life I give hands for to live, O Christ, for thee alone. Living for Jesus, who died in my place, bearing on Calvary my sin and disgrace. Such love constrains me to answer His call. Follow His leading and give Him my all. O Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to Thee. For Thou in Thine atonement didst give Thyself for me. I own no other master, my heart shall be Thy throne. My life I give henceforth to live. O oh, Christ, for thee alone.
many of you really looked at those words you just sang? I mean, that's one of the problems with a lot of this new music that's out there is there's no guts to it. It's just uh, my best, my favorite way of describing it is lemon meringue pie without the lemon. Just a bunch of fluff. And uh, the reason people don't like singing songs like this is because this song talks of commitment. Amen? I mean, it was a great, look at that, look at those words. It says, bearing on Calvary my sin and disgrace. That's what Jesus did for us. Amen? And then the next phrase is, such love constrains me. Now, that's biblical language. Amen? The Bible says it's the love of Jesus that constrains us. It changes us. It moves us. It forces us to yield. And that's why we live for Him. John said it this way. We love Him. Why? Because He first loved us. Let's sing those last two verses. Living for Jesus wherever I am, even in New York City. Amen? Let's sing that out. Living for Jesus wherever I am, doing each duty in His holy name, willing to suffer affliction and loss, deeming each trial a part of my cross. Oh, Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to Thee, for Thou in Thy atonement didst give Thyself for me. I own no other master, my life shall be thy throne, my life I give henceforth to live, O Christ, for thee alone. On that last verse, living for Jesus through earth's little one. My dearest treasure, the light of his smile, seeking the lost ones he died to redeem, bringing the weary rest in him. Sing it out. O Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to Thee. For Thou in Thine atonement didst give Thyself for me. I own no other master. My heart shall be Thy throne. My life I give henceforth to live. Oh, Christ, for thee alone. And then 536, the best part of the gospel message is that it is for whosoever will. Amen. Anyone who's willing to come to Jesus can find the truth and the blessings that he gives. 536, whosoever hear his shout, shout the sound, spread the blessed tidings all the world around, tell the joyful news wherever man is found, whosoever will may come, whosoever will, whosoever will, send the proclamation over vale and hill, Tis a loving Father calls a wanderer home. Whosoever will may come. Whosoever cometh need not delay. Now the door is open, enter while you may. Jesus is the true, the only living way. Whosoever will may come. Whosoever will, whosoever will, spread the proclamation over dale and hill. Tis a loving Father calls a wonder home. Whosoever will may come. 
Whosoever will, the promise is secure. Whosoever will, forever must endure. Whosoever will, tis life forevermore. Whosoever will, may come. Whosoever will, whosoever will, spread the proclamation over vale and hill. Tis a loving Father calls a wonder home. Whosoever will, may come. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessings upon us. We thank you for the privilege of assembling together tonight. We thank you for each one that is here. And Lord, we ask you to take this time and multiply it for our service for you. Lord, we pray that we would leave here recharged, better equipped to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And we'll be getting back to our study of Hebrews. Boy, it just seems like it's been a long time. It's been a month. It's been four whole weeks uh, since we've been in the study of Hebrews. And so we'll be picking up right where we left off, the end of chapter 4, starting chapter 5. And we'll be moving on through tonight. And um, Saturday, uh, they are forecasting... Uh, Ernesto to come and dump lots of rain on New York City and uh, we have a street fair on Monday so we will not worry about visitation Saturday afternoon uh, men if you're able to make it to the prayer meeting we'll still have prayer meeting at 4 if not uh, uh, we'll do what we can and then our regular services on Sunday Monday if you have opportunity if you're able uh, we'd like you to uh, give us a little hand. We'll be setting up at 9 o'clock. The street fair actually opens at 11, and uh, normally we pack things in about 5 o'clock and uh, get back to the church. And so if you have some time, we'll be up here on 30th Avenue and uh, be looking forward to uh, just the opportunity to pass out gospel tracts and talk to people uh, in the neighborhood about the Lord and you can be a help to that if you would like and, and we'd encourage you to do so. Uh, just a few dates to mark down on your calendar. Uh, uh, the last Thursday of this month, the last, well no, last Thursday of this coming month, September starts tomorrow. Uh, the last Thursday in September, I believe it's the 28th, uh, Brother Marshall's going to be with us. And, uh, and if you don't know who they are, that's uh, Sharon and my wife's mom and dad. That's our in-laws. And uh, anytime, if, how many of you have heard Brother Marshall preach? And isn't that a blessing? Anytime they're going to be with us and he's bringing the family, they're going to be singing songs. They'll be with us Thursday, Friday, and then all day Sunday, October 1st. It is a great way to uh, begin the fall proper, and uh, we were just with them in uh, West Virginia. That was our last stop on the way home, and uh, we were able just to spend a few hours with them, and uh, boy, I can't wait till they get up here, and um, this, let's see here now, our missions conference uh, will be the first Thursday in November through the first Sunday. We've moved it back because of uh, trying to accommodate our speaker. Uh, some of you will remember uh, Andy and Joy Hearns. They're in Nepal. They're going to be with us. Uh, we're also going to have another missionary family. Uh, the uh, I've forgotten his first name, but anyway... Uh, his dad's name's Bob. It's Brother Mickey. He and his wife have been in Kenya for, uh, I guess, about 12 years or so already. And so uh, they're also out of our home church in Cleveland, Ohio, Cleveland Baptist Church. And so it's Rob. Yeah, it is Robert Mickey Jr., isn't it? I get it. Okay. And uh, he, he and his family are promised to be with us. So we're looking forward to... Uh, in all my years at Cleveland, Robert and I have never actually met each other in person. And so I'm kind of looking forward to that. And uh, if you'll remember when we had the Heartland group here, 
Brother Hainline uh, is the missions director. When he was a missionary in, in Kenya before he moved to Oklahoma City to take over the missions department there at the college, he actually worked with Brother Mickey and his institute and in helping him. And so uh, it's a small world, isn't it? And uh, so we're looking forward to that, and we'll be trying to get a few other missionaries to come in and uh, be praying for our missions conference. That's coming up, and then December. We're just getting the calendar set up for the rest of the year. December 9th and 10th, Brother Clayton is going to be with us. And uh, we're going to... How many of you enjoyed what we did on the 4th of July uh, that was here for that? Uh, that was a grand... Time. It really was, and unfortunately, we're not going to be trying to have a cookout uh, in December. I, I don't think we ought to try that, but uh, we'll be having a church dinner. I've already talked to Brother Shaw. i got to talk to Brother Saravia, try to have all the different churches here, and, and just have a big Christmas sing, and we'll get different songs in different languages, and, and we'll just have a fun time. Uh, that Saturday afternoon uh, there early in the Christmas season and then Brother Clayton will preach to us all day Sunday and uh, hopefully that will give us enough momentum to get through the old year and get into the new. Amen. And so those are just a few things we have on the calendar. I want you to, we'll be printing them in the bulletin so don't worry about writing down all the dates but uh, it will be, we've got a busy fall and it will be a good, good time. All right, let's sing one more song and then we'll get into our Bible study tonight. 207, sooner or later, 207. Sooner or later the skies will be bright, tears will be all wiped away. Sooner or later then cometh the light, night will be turned into day. Sooner or later cares will have flown, sunshine and gladness will see. Sooner or later God calleth his own, with him forever to be. Sooner or later our Lord knows the hour, He'll send his beloved son. Sooner or later in his might and power, all battles all will be won. Sooner or later cares will have flown, sunshine and gladness will see. Sooner or later God calleth his own with him forever to be. Sooner or later, yes, sooner for some, darkness will all then be past. Sooner or later, our Savior will come, with Him will your lot be cast. Sooner or later, cares will have flown, sunshine and gladness will see. Sooner or later, God calleth His own, with him forever to be. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 5. If you did not give an outline, get an outline. Uh, I saw Stephen running around with them. You're all out. Okay. Well, that's a good thing. Uh, Brother Ted DeMaster is actually on the copy machine. And uh, you can just make some more, and then we'll pass those out. When you see Ted coming back around, just kind of nod at him, and he'll give you a copy. But uh, let's take our Bibles, turn to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 5, and we're just going to start in verse 1, and then take a few moments and go back and put this all in context, if we may. It's been several weeks since we've been in the book of Hebrews, for every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity and by reason hereof he ought 
as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing, for when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, as we are going through the book of Hebrews, we've, I've divided it up into uh, a few parts here. And again, I, uh, I like to call Hebrews the switchboard or the connecting place of the Bible. It is where uh, so many of the truths of the Scripture are put together, are given meaning, are made to make sense. If we did not have the book of Hebrews, I challenge you, about half of your Bible would just be nice stories. It is the book of Hebrews that explains and connects so many things and helps us understand. But again, much of what is in the book of Hebrews, as, as we have the warning here at the end of chapter 5, is what the Bible calls strong meat. Uh, one of the reasons the book of Hebrews is often ignored is because somebody reads through it and they say, oh man, that's, that's a little deep for me. Uh, I think I'll go on to lesser territory. And um, we need to grow up enough to understand the book of Hebrews. That's what the challenge is here. Uh, don't be satisfied with the milk of the word. But it takes exercise. Now, I stand before you as one that hates exercise. Uh, I don't like it. Uh, it. It is necessary. It is something that you must do. My favorite two exercises are pushbacks and pull-ups. You push back from the table to go get more, and you pull up so you can eat what you got. Amen. Uh, but those kind of exercises will get you in big trouble awful fast, won't they? Uh, you need to do the right kind of exercises. And that's what he's talking about here. And, of course, the challenge starts with this idea of the high priest. And here's our connection. Part one of the book of Hebrews, the, four, the first four chapters of the book of Hebrews gives us a summation of God's revelation to man and what man has done with that revelation. The greatest revelation man ever received was the personal presence of Jesus Christ walking among men. We read the testimony of Peter. He says, we've not followed cunningly devised uh, fables, but were eyewitnesses of his glory. Peter said, I heard God speak from heaven twice. Once was at Jesus' baptism. The second time was at the Mount of Transfiguration when Peter happened to speak up incorrectly and absolutely as wrong as a human being could be. 
he said, let's build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. God could not be silent at such foolish prattle from the mouth of Peter. He said, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. But then what did Peter say just a few verses later? He said, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. He said, this book that is written is the most sure thing that you can have. He says, where unto you do well that you take heed. Amen. And that's why we're here tonight. The end of chapter 4, we are given a command. We are given a warning. We are told that we are to approach boldly. We are to come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, if you are not in a time of need right now, you will be in a time of need in your life at some time or another and once you realize that you are unsaved, that is your greatest need. Amen? And if you do not come boldly unto the throne of grace through the finished work of Jesus Christ, understanding He has done everything necessary for your salvation, you will not get the salvation that this book called the Bible talks about. Somebody wrote a song. I've never heard it. Uh, never really desired to hear it. God, just give me a little cottage in a corner of heaven. That's not what it's talking about. God does not want us to be saved by the skin of our teeth. He does not want us to barely make it to heaven. If you were here last Sunday night, we went through 2 Peter chapter 1, and, and it talked about an entrance ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom. That's what God wants to do for us. He wants to save us. He wants to give us the power and the ability and the victory over the struggles and the despairs of this life because our high priest can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities because he walked on this earth just as you and I have. And the writer of Hebrews now bends the direction he wants to explain to us God's provisions for man's failure to obey God's revelation. You know, God understands. Isn't that a wonderful truth? Uh, the way I love to put it is God will only accept you the way you are. Don't try to clean up to be pleasing to God. Don't try to straighten yourself up. You just come the way you are. Because God loves you so much, He will not accept you any other way. But His love won't let you stay that way either. Amen? Uh, he wants to change you. Because it is in your best interest to be changed. And it is in God's best interest. Because God cannot use us to bring glory to His name. He cannot use us to serve Him as we are. We must be changed. Now, that's a nasty word. It's called separation. Until you are separated from this world and the, and the dregs and the bondage of false religion and works and self-righteousness and all of these things, we cannot be servants of God. Now, in the Old Testament... If you were to deal with your sin, you were going to come face to face with this person called the high priest. You had to meet him sometime. In fact, you were supposed to be there at the tabernacle and later on the temple. Every year, uh, the Jewish people call that feast today Yom Kippur, which is Hebrew for the Day of Atonement. That is the day just after the Jewish New Year when you were to celebrate God's forgiveness. The Old Testament word was atonement. That's the rolling back. The New Testament word is redemption. That is the satisfaction, the paid price. 
and that was the job of the high priest. Only once, one day a year, actually two times on that day, would he enter in to the Holy of Holies. First with a sacrifice for himself. It would not be a meat offering or a burnt offering. It would be the freshly drawn blood of a bullock for him. And then he would return just a little later with the freshly drawn blood of a baby goat for the nation of Israel. And he would in turn sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat. That was the high priest's duty. That was his alone. No one could be there with him on that day. That was the day that God brought to remembrance the sin of his children Israel. When we get to Hebrews chapter 9, we will find out that that was only a ceremony to illustrate to you and I what Jesus Christ himself would do to pay the price for our sins. Yet, God was so serious about that ceremony, if the priest who was to offer those sacrifices did so with dirt upon his feet, he would be killed instantly. If he was to delay in the sacrifice and allow the blood to coagulate in the, in the bowl that he carried it, God would not accept it and he would die instantly. If he were to open the curtain of the Holy of Holies just to look in there for his own satisfaction, the Bible says he would die instantly. God was not playing games. He is very, very serious when it comes to issues of his holiness and the payment of our sins. Amen? And so we get to this phrase here. We are supposed to appear before this throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace to help in a time of need. It is not by coincidence that the throne which sat upon the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies was called the mercy seat. It is a representation of the very throne of Almighty God. Now we start in chapter 5. Now this is where you and I come in. It says, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God. Now this is one of the reasons why I do not use the title priest as the pastor of Open Door Bible Baptist Church. I am not a priest in the sense of the Old Testament priest and the high priest. Uh, in the truest sense of the word, every born-again believer of God is a priest. And Jesus Christ is our high priest. And we each share the exact same responsibilities between us and God. I do not stand here today as the uh, uh, having dominion over your relationship with God, where you have, if you want to come to God, you've got to come and talk to me first. That is absolutely foreign to the Scriptures. It has no part in the relationship that God himself wants to share with you and I. But he stops here at this high priest, and he wants to spend a few minutes here and explain this office, and he's starting with what every Hebrew person understood was the office of the high priest. They understood that there was a specific man who was a direct descendant of Aaron himself, who which had lived in that time and was responsible for the duties of the high priest to which no other priest could minister. If any other priest decided to step into the, to the shoes of the high priest even for a moment, God's holiness would destroy him from the face of the earth. It says, for every high priest is taken from... For every high priest taken from among men. Now this is something we have to understand. The high priest is somebody special. Amen. He is taken from among men. He is separated from ordinary men. 
it says, is ordained for men in things pertaining to God. The idea, the definition of this thing called a, this office of a priest is someone who stands between mere human beings and God. This is why today I don't know where, the, uh, where this came from. The other day I got a letter addressed to the most very reverend Peter Montora. And uh, did you do that on the website there? Yes, you did, you stinker, you. I, I had a feeling that he did that. He thought it was funny. Now he's the one turning red. You see, we don't use titles like that around here. Because the, gr the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Amen. God is no respecter of persons. My salvation is not any different than any other person's salvation. Yet there are many churches that have so many levels of clergy in them that you have to get out a notebook and start looking through the titles to figure out who you're dealing with there. And uh, the simple truth of the matter is, and, and many people come from other religions and they visit our church and uh, they're, they're trying to figure out what level uh, pastor I am on this church. I said, well, in, in the Baptist church, in, in the independent Baptist church, we do it real simple. Uh, there's one office, it's pastor, and that's as high as you go and that's as low as you go. I mean, you got both ends all wrapped up in the same guy. It's real simple, amen? And, and the best part of it is you do not have to get come to me so you can get to God, amen? Now, my job, uh, the way I like to describe the office of a pastor is I get to be a signpost. If I'm doing my job, I'm pointing in the right direction. But you have to act upon the directions. Amen? And so uh, it's not a glorious job to be a signpost, but I'll take it because that's the one God gave me. Amen? I'll do my part because that's what it's supposed to be. Now, this thing about being a high priest is they are taken from men and ordained for men to do things that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Now, the idea here is when we give a gift to God, what are we trying to do? We're trying to honor and please God to show our thankfulness to him for what he has done for us. Amen? The idea of a sacrifice is the idea of payment, is the idea of acknowledging our sin debt, our infractions of the rules that God has made. The Bible calls that sin. And those sins must be paid for. You know, there are many religions that just teach you do the best you can and God understands. I'm glad I don't serve that kind of God. Amen. I serve a God that is absolutely careful in his accounting. He is not going to sweep my sins under the carpet. Have you ever tried to sweep dust under the carpet? Say, never me. No, I would never, ever sweep dust under the carpet. Well, I'll warn you, if you ever try, there'll come a point to where there'll be so much dust that you can't walk on the carpet. Amen? Uh, you, you've eventually got to get under there and get that stuff out from under there or we'll destroy uh, the carpet. It's, it's going to make itself plain one way or another, is it not? And uh, many people live in the false hope that somehow they'll sweep their sin under some carpet, they'll cover it up, and nobody will know. I'm glad God deals with things, amen? He brings it out, he deals with it, and once it's paid for, it's finished, amen? How many of you have ever had a loan, a little loan or a mortgage, or you've borrowed a few dollars here or there? And isn't it wonderful when you finally write that last check? And it is paid for. And uh, if we ever get our mortgage 
from the, we've paid it off, but they still haven't sent it back to us for one reason or another. It took them seven years to file the satisfaction of the first mortgage, and I guess it's going to take them pretty close to that long to file the second one. We're still working with the lawyer, but when we get that, we're going to have a little bonfire right here on the platform, amen? And we're going to burn that dude because it is worthless once it's been paid for, amen? Nobody can go back and come and say, well, you didn't pay that money. Uh -uh. We paid it. It's satisfied. It's finished. And this is what we're talking about with God and sin. He deals with it completely and thoroughly. The books are rectified. They are completely reconciled. They are brought into proper balance and then they are audited, audited and then they are stamped closed and they're sealed and no one, not even God himself, will open the seals on those books. Amen? Isn't that a wonderful truth? But we get back to just general things about the office of the high priest. It says, Every priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts to honor God, sacrifices, the payment for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way? Now, it's interesting here how the Bible classifies these two groups of people that the high priest can have compassion on. He can have compassion on the ignorant. Those are people who do not know. Uh, the name ignorant, the title or the word ignorant today when it's used to refer to another human being is, has uh, gained a lot more derogatory effect than it ought to. The word ignorant just simply means unknowing. There's a lot of things that we are ignorant about. And the Bible says that the high priest is able to have compassion on those who do not know. Just think back to before you were saved. How much did you know about this book called the Bible? Not much, amen? In fact, you probably didn't learn much about the Bible until after you were saved. And then you began that process of learning and digesting the Word of God. And guess what? It never ends. It only gets better, amen? And uh, as we look through what the Bible says here... He can have compassion on them that are ignorant and on them that are out of the way. Now, there's a whole group of people that are left out of here. The Bible does not say a word about those who do not care. Is not the world full of people who do not care? And sometimes we run around trying to grab a hold of people who do not care and drag them into church. Now, we have to be careful because until God turns their heart to admit that they're ignorant, they'll never, ever learn anything of this book called the Bible. Now, that's in there on purpose. God wants us to learn something here. The high priest has compassion on those who don't know and on those who are out of the way. But those who don't want to be in the way, those who do not care, those who care less about the things of God, there is no compassion for that person until the Holy Spirit is able to turn them and bring them to that point to where they're willing to admit ignorance. And... That's got to be part of our job as, as Christians is to carefully take the gospel to the world in which we live. And there is compassion for every person who wants it. Amen? For every person who is willing to come to the truth of the gospel there is compassion for that person. And we need to take that truth to the world in which we live. Amen? 
And I'm, I'm just trying to tell you, we need to, as Christians, we need to be careful not to take the message of God and make it common or meaningless by explaining it over and over and over again to people who do not care and who do not want to hear the message. We need to be patient. We need to pray. We need to live. And if God's going to do a work, the Holy Spirit will change and bring that heart into a direction to where they're willing to admit that they're ignorant. Remember when you admitted that you were ignorant? You finally said, man, I don't understand this thing about the Bible. I just don't know. Uh, I want to know. Well, man, you just opened the door. The Holy Spirit's going to be attacking you every moment. Amen? And that's the way it ought to be. And uh, when someone tells me, Pastor, uh, I want to be saved, I'm just not sure. The best advice I can give you, and I've given to many over the years, faith cometh by what? Hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. Now, you need to read the Bible when you're at home, but you need to be under the hearing of preaching. You need to be assembled together with the believers every opportunity that you have. If you're concerned about your soul, you come. And I'll, I'll tell you, I have watched many, many people over the years, a few years that our church has been here. It'll be almost 14 years next month in October that our church has been right here in Astoria. And I've watched many, many people over the years. They'll start, and you can just see their eyes open up. All of a sudden, they understand. And then you watch it build, and it'll get to the point of decision. And unfortunately, I've watched them turn around and walk out, never to walk in again. But praise the Lord for the ones that said, I want to be saved. Sometimes it takes years for that to happen. That's what compassion is for. Amen? Compassion is willing to take the time necessary for God to work. Compassion never tries to do that work on its own. Because true love, true understanding knows that human efforts cannot do the work of God. And so we want this to, to be understood. That's what it's in there. The high priest can have compassion. Now, ideally and, and contextually, this is talking about the great high priest, Jesus Christ. Is he not full of compassion? Amen. And one of the reasons he is able to exercise that compassion is, number one, because he's God. Amen. But he took time to walk in human flesh so that you and I would understand how much he loves us. Now, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'm glad he did it. Amen. And it says, Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. Now, this phrase right here is talking about Aaron and the high priest that followed after him. They were human beings. They were pulled out from among men. They were given a special position and they themselves sin. Look at the next verse. And by reason hereof, he ought, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sins. This high priest, Aaron, I mean, you remember, we're going through that right in Sunday school right now. How many times has Aaron messed up so far? I mean, he's made some real problems for Moses already. And uh, let's see, Ten Commandments is Sunday, and then the really big mess up is next Sunday. And uh, so come for Sunday school, and you'll see Aaron's really, really big mess up. Uh, and, the, and it's not Aaron's only mess. Aaron was a human being. And every high priest that followed in his footsteps had to offer sacrifices for his own sins. And that is one of the reasons why the high priest in the Old Testament law could have compassion on those two groups of people, the ignorant 
and those that are out of the way. Now, the idea of being out of the way is, number one, acknowledging that I have made wrong choices that have pushed me out of the way, and I want to get back to the right way. Uh, that's included in there. You, you can't have uh, someone coming to the high priest saying, I'm out of the way, and I want to stay there. He's not going to enjoy the compassion of the high priest. In fact, if someone were to exhibit that attitude before the high priest, it was his job to cut them off from Israel. Read the Old Testament law. He was put out from Israel and never allowed to be a part of Israel again by exhibiting that kind of attitude because it is foreign to the forgiveness that God gives us to be belligerent and to use God's for forgiveness as a stepping stone to add sin to our lives. We must be very careful what we do with this thing called forgiveness. Amen. Now this was the high priest. Verse 4. as It says, And no man taketh this honor to, unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron, so also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest. So right here we got the idea that no man is allowed to just wake up one day and say, I want to be high priest. In the Old Testament, under the law, you had to be a physical descendant of Aaron, and the person who was ahead of you in line, your father, had to die, and then you would be elevated to that position of the high priest until the day you died. It was a calling that was given of God. No other person, no other group of person, no other descendant, no matter how righteous or how wonderful they lived, was able to enter into that position. It says, so also, so also, Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest. You know, Jesus didn't run around to the high priest when he stood before him and said, I've got a better job than you do. God's made me the high priest above the high priest. Now, Jesus could have said that because we'll find out here he was made a high priest of a different order. And there are two Old Testament prophecies in the book of Psalms that are brought into play here. And I dare say, without the book of Hebrews, you and I would not understand what these Psalms we're talking about in the Old Testament, but now that we have the context, we can understand exactly who they're talking about. Let's, let's read here. It says, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. Let's turn back to Psalm 2. Psalm 2. And in this second psalm, if you read any commentary, it'll tell you that Psalm 2 is a very difficult psalm to be understood. You read the Bible, and it makes the book of it makes Psalm 2 a very simple psalm to understand because it tells you what it's talking about. Amen. It says, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves. And the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Boy, isn't that history in a nutshell. How many societies have been built trying to put God out and away from that society, saying, We're going to order things our way. What did Karl Marx say? Religion was an opiate of the masses. It was just a drug that the elite used to poison the minds of the masses and keep them into subjection. No, no. Uh, communism was an opiate of the masses uh, because if they didn't dope you up, you know what the number one drug of choice was in the former Soviet Union? Vodka and lots of it because that's the only way you could stand to live in communism is when you were senseless. 
Now, you talk about the opiate of the masses. That's what communism is. You look at people who have gladly taken the cords of God and bound themselves with the truths of this book called the Bible. You have the greatest and freest society in the history of mankind. Amen? I'll tell you what. The world is trying. That's what the United Nations was founded for. It was founded to bring about a society without God. That's why the blasphemous people over there, they have a statue of a man beating his sword into a plowshare. They're taking the prophecies from the Scripture and they believe they're going to fulfill them. Read the history of the United Nations. It is one written in blood. The blood of the innocents whom they murdered and raped and pillaged. And it goes on today as it always has been wherever United Nations troops are. Because that's what the United Nations is all about. The biggest scandal in the history of mankind. Food for oil. You wonder why they didn't want to go into Iraq and so mad at us? What was the total? I think it's somewhere around 35 to 50 billion dollars has gone into the pockets of people trying to <clears throat> feed the hungry in Iraq. I wonder how many hungry people got food. And not very many, let me tell you. Why do the heathen reign? It says God's going to laugh. He that sitteth in heaven shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Didn't we just read that out of Hebrews chapter 2? Um, oops, we read it in Hebrews chapter 2 and we read it in Hebrews chapter 5. It's through the book of Hebrews. This psalm is talking about the dominion of the Lord Jesus Christ and that no man or group of men is going to have peace on this earth until the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, rules this world from the city of peace, the New Jerusalem. And it's coming. And it, it tells us that these things are going to happen. It makes Psalm 2 so simple to understand. It is talking about the dominion of Jesus Christ and his priesthood. Get this now. His priesthood is connected to his kingship. His priesthood is connected to his domination of this world and its system. Because what Jesus Christ wants to do is bring mankind into a direct relationship with the Holy God. That's what will make peace, amen? You can have people of all backgrounds meeting together in the name of Jesus Christ and have peace. Nowhere else are you going to find that unless they're just putting the knives away. Someone said, well, we'll just bury the hatchet. The only problem is nobody forgets where they buried it. They're always too eager to run back and dig it up and use it again, aren't they? But when the Prince of Peace changes the heart of men, there'll be no violence. Won't it be a wonderful world? It's the world that everybody dreams about. They think they're going to get it by getting rid of God. That's why you hear this over and over again. Well, if we could only get rid of religion, we'd solve all the problems of the world. Radio, television, newspapers, isn't that what they say? It's these fundamentalists. Hey, let me tell you something. It, it was absolutely interesting. I was listening to the radio the other day, and, and somebody was trying to draw the difference between fundamentalist Islam and normal Islam. Now, this was a definition that they gave. They said that fundamentalist Islam believe that in their lifetime, through their actions, they are going to bring about the kingdom of peace on earth. And the non-fundamentalist Islam believe that it's going to happen 
a generation or two later. I don't think I got that across. But those who are going around blowing themselves up and murdering people for their cause believe that by doing these acts, they are going to bring about the kingdom of Allah on this earth. The ruler of Iran has talked about, I believe the proper title is the 12th Imam. He is the final teacher. In fact, there are many people in the religion of Islam who believe that this 12th Imam is the person you and I call Jesus Christ. They've actually got it messed up just a little bit. It's the person the Bible calls Antichrist. And he is going to bring relative peace on this earth for about three and a half years as the Antichrist, the substitute for Christ. You see, what they're really saying is the fundamentalist Muslim just believe the literal words of the Koran. And that is the definition of a fundamentalist. We are fundamentalist Christians because we believe the words of the Bible. But is there an equality between a fundamentalist Christian and a fundamentalist Islamic person? You see, that is the lie of the news media. The fundamentalist Bible-believing person is the persons who are responsible for the first ten amendments to the Constitution of the United States. It was a delegation of Baptist preachers in Virginia that went to James Madison and told him that you will not ratify this Constitution in the state of Virginia unless you put some guarantees of personal freedoms in this document. So they went back and hashed it out and came out with what we call today the Bill of Rights. It was under the direct influence of Bible-believing Baptist churches. That document is included in our Constitution. You know why? Because personal freedom is fundamental to this book called the Bible. The Baptists are the only religion in history that can make that claim. We wanted to bring personal freedom and the right of personal decision and it was called too radical for Middle Ages. That's why Protestantism took leave. That is a limited freedom. By the way, what is limited freedom? It's called slavery, amen? The reason you have the freedoms you do today is because of fundamentalist Bible-believing people. Now, doesn't that sound so strange? And yet it's absolutely true. Because if you fundamentally believe the words of this book called the Bible, it brings freedom and it brings peace and it brings the best. It opens the opportunity for the best in human beings to be displayed. And that is the simple and short history of the United States. Oh yeah, it allows the worst to be displayed as well now, doesn't it? But... I don't know too many other countries who fought a civil war over the moral issue of slavery. I don't know too many people, groups, who are willing to do something like that because of freedom. That's why. And what did Jesus say? Shall know the truth, know the Son, and ye shall be what? Free indeed. He wasn't kidding around. This whole idea of this high priest having compassion on the ignorant and having compassion on them who are out of the way is God's plan for our salvation. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night and we ask that you would help us to understand these great truths. Lord, they're not readily understood just by looking around us. We have to spend some time studying your word. 
Lord, my prayer is first for every person that is here that they would truly know that their sins are forgiven and heaven is their home. Second prayer would be once someone is saved, that they would be instructed in your word and willing to give their lives in service for you. Lord, we ask you for your grace and your strength. Lord, we pray that we would be willing to approach boldly to that throne of grace and find grace and mercy to help us in the time of need. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's just stand together and maybe if Sharon would come and just play a hymn of invitation. We won't be long tonight, but we'd like to give you an opportunity to pray if you need to. So let's just bow our heads where we are. And if you need to come and to pray, now is the time.